This is A Better Night's Sleep, a podcast about sleep, sleep disorders, and evidence-based treatment from military health sleep experts. I'm Dr. Julie Kinn with the Defense Health Agency. And I'm Colonel Brian Robertson, the Chief of Sleep Medicine at Walter Reed. Colonel Robertson, we've talked about a lot of interesting sleep disorders, but we have a few questions for you today about just how do I get to sleep in the first place? Okay. So here's the first one for you. What's the very best sleep hygiene routine for working adults, as well as any tips on getting there and keeping it going? The best sleep hygiene for working adults is the best sleep hygiene for anybody. Sleep hygiene, when we think about those words, we think about the conditions or the environment that you sleep in. So if you think about what's a, what feels good or feels right, one is that the place is quiet that you're not having interruptions. So that can be interruptions in your house. Uh, Children, unfortunately, are one of those interruptions uh, that happens a lot to parents, and that can make it tough for uh, working adults. But then outside the home, too. So uh, sirens or uh, neighbors and things like that, barking dogs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You want to get that quiet. So quiet is the first part. Dark is the second part of this. So when you have a lot of ex- excess light, that tends to not be so conducive to sleep. Now. Most nightlights aren't too bad. And certainly if you want to put one in the bathroom Mm -hmm. so you're not stumbling around in the dark, that's fine to use. But we want to avoid a lot of light and certainly don't leave your your night bedside lamp on. That would not be a generally good thing to do for an adult or for anyone. Children sometimes are afraid of the dark. A small nightlight is often enough to sort of calm those fears. Third thing is like the temperature. So generally speaking, people like a cool room to sleep in. How cool are we talking here? (laughs) So it depends on the person, right? So uh, older adults tend to want things a little bit warmer. Younger adults tend to want them a little cooler. So uh, working adults, which I think the the person that's asking this uh, question was a working Mm -hmm. adult, probably somewhere around 67 to 73 degrees. I probably wouldn't go much higher than 73 degrees for most people. Okay. But it's very individualized. So, you know, pick a temperature, adjust it one degree up or down till you get the one that works for you. Is there a difference between ideal sleep temperature for adults versus children, men versus women? The temperature that is comfortable for an adult might be a little too cool for a small child. Uh, Children have more body surface area compared to their whole body mass Mm. as compared to an adult. And what that means is that they lose heat faster. So they tend to want to be a little bit warmer. Uh, Adults can handle a little cooler temperature. Okay, no, that's really useful. So what about getting it there and keeping it going? Right. So when you have problems with your sleep hygiene, getting it there, well, one thing I'll tell you to do is to take it slow. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't get into the mess you were in in one night and you won't get out of it in one night. And so the first thing that we tell people to do is like make one change. Mm -hmm. If the room is too bright and you've left the lights on too much, like make that change first. If you have trouble with just noises outside your home, wearing earplugs is perfectly okay. There's no problem doing that. Oh, good. And some people do that. They just, they sleep better when they do that and, and feel better in the morning. Sleep masks sometimes, if you can't get rid of the light for some reason, sleep masks are pretty common. Uh, you can buy them almost anywhere and they're, they work. They work. They keep most of the light out. It sounds like expectation management, just knowing that 
maybe yes. don't expect that if you change all these things, you're miraculously going to fall asleep immediately that first night. Right. So when we talk about sleep hygiene, we talk, we're talking to people about insomnia. And with insomnia, this is not enough to fix it. There are almost always other things that we need to do besides having a good environment to sleep in. Uh, but it is a good start and it's necessary. You need to do these things before you can really progress to other uh, other things that you can do to treat insomnia. I'm wondering about like the hour before sleep. I know we've talked in the past mm-hmm. about don't exercise, don't drink mm-hmm. a whole lot of water that you're then going to need to get up and urinate in a little bit. Are there other things right. that might not be as obvious that, that we should be aware of? That last hour before you mm-hmm. go to bed, you need to stop getting ready for the next day. Ah. Okay. Go you know, go ahead and get ready for the next day. Like make the lunch, right. lay out the clothes for the children, do whatever those tasks need to happen. But you need to have a little bit of time for yourself. Mm-hmm. I usually recommend an hour, but if you can only squeeze in 30 minutes, that'll help a lot. And what you want to do during that time is wind down. All right. Trying, I think I might have said this on the podcast before, but trying to go to sleep never works. <laughs> what you have to do is just let sleep happen. What you need to try to do is try to stop moving, do something that's pleasurable and passive. Watching TV is fine. Reading is great, especially if you're not particularly interested in the thing you're reading. Those things will help you get in the mood to go to sleep, right? So maybe that's a better way to think about it. You need to be in the mood to go to sleep before you, uh, before you actually get in bed and go to sleep. So uh, one thing I hear often is that when people are lying in bed, that's when all the anxious thoughts come crowding in. And I strongly believe it's related to if we are on screens all day and being entertained in all those gaps in the middle of the day. For me, I'm listening to podcasts a lot, and I'm guessing that's true for some of our listeners. And so if the first time you've been alone with your thoughts is when you're lying in bed, that is for those who are prone to anxiety. That is when the anxious thoughts are going to arrive. Yeah, so we. this is why you need to relax. So if that's you... Then maybe 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed, this needs to be the time when you sit and think. Yeah. Right? This is when you need to, like, write down your problems, write down your solutions, think about the things that you need to think about so that you can put these things aside. You mentioned uh, watching TV. Remind us again your advice on, on blue light filters and screens before bed. So there are some medical studies that show that if you are exposed to blue light, the kind of light that comes from phones and tablets and computers and televisions, that that interferes with your body's natural melatonin production. Uh, Melatonin is this hormone of darkness is what we call it. Uh, You need dark conditions for your body to make it. And light actually stops it from being made or delays it from, uh, delays its production. So there is on iPhones, definitely, and you can also get a a program that will turn the screen orange. So you have less of that blue light uh, coming off the screen. The orange light will sort of substitute for the blue light and keep that from happening. You can also buy blue blocker glasses. They're orange-tinted glasses, and you can wear those in the few hours before you go to bed. You can wear them watching TV, working on your computer, tablet, phone, whatever you want. Uh, But that also will block the blue light. Terrific. So it sounds like that is an important feature to, to recognize on your phone. It is. It is. And it's easy to set up. Um, just look for it on your uh, settings on your phone. You can take care of that. Okay. I have one last question for you here today. Sure. And then I'll let you go, Colonel Robertson. Why do some people fall asleep 30 seconds after they hit the pillow while others take hours? 
That is a great question. So if people are actually falling asleep 30 seconds after they hit the pillow, they are probably very sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not a good condition to be in either. The normal amount of time it takes for someone, if they're trying to fall asleep, to actually fall asleep is somewhere around 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it it doesn't happen automatically normally. And when people, when it does happen very fast, it's almost always because they're sleep deprived. If they stayed up very late, um, their drive to sleep is very great, you know, at that time that they're trying to fall asleep. So even if they're not chronically sleep deprived, you can be acutely sleep deprived, where it's just happening that night, and that'll make you fall asleep really fast. Why people have insomnia is a great question. I don't know if I have an hour or two to answer that one, (laughs) but uh, I will just tell you that there are several things that are associated with insomnia. The first is depression. Mm. The second one is anxiety or anxiety disorders, very common. And then the third thing that we see is uh, something called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, That's a very, insomnia is a very common complaint in people that have PTSD. We also see it with medical conditions. Um, so, in fact, we have a high rate of insomnia in our patients that have sleep apnea, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing. You wouldn't think they would go together, but they, they do. Probably about 50% of our patients with sleep apnea also have insomnia. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so that's uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. So insomnia might be a clue that you have some other things that are going on right? Um, that are, are unrecognized and untreated. They, insomnia exists separate from depression and anxiety. And we can treat it separately. The other thing to know is that if we successfully treat insomnia, depression and anxiety often improve just by fixing the insomnia problem. That makes a lot of sense. But it also sounds like you you can't just approach one of the disorders. It it really makes sense to take a a holistic look at your behavioral health. Absolutely. So you do have to take a holistic look because everything affects everything else. Your breathing problems that are untreated because you have sleep apnea wake you up often during the night. Those repeated Mm -hmm. awakenings train your brain to be awake in bed. And that's what we think leads to the insomnia. Well, I love hearing that 10 to 15 minutes is the normal amount of time it takes to get to sleep. I think for those of us, especially people with partners who it only takes them 30 seconds, we look at them with jealousy. And I I imagine thinking that that's the norm is going to be a a dangerous feeling because then you're not reading your own sleep accurately. Right, right. So when you get in bed, um, one, make sure you're sleepy. Two, Mm. relax, right? You're trying to go to bed, and this is not something you have to accomplish. This is something that's going to happen to you if you just let it happen. That's probably my best advice I can give over for a podcast, but that's really how we approach this with people, is that they have to get to that point where they can relax their brain enough so they can fall asleep. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Colonel Robertson. You're welcome. It was great to be here again. A Better Night's Sleep is produced by the Defense Health Agency. Please get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at Military Health, and you can submit your questions to our email address in the show notes. Thanks for subscribing and rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope tonight you have a better night's sleep.